From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you, wherever you may be around the world. Welcome to the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Pastor Mike Douglas with you, along with our co-host and producer, Elaine Harlan. And, of course, our fearless and faithful prayer intercessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl with us as well. And Mr. Owl, by the way, uh, at at the steering wheel, yes. at the helm oh, yes, of the ABC mm-hmm. 1960 American LaFrance mm-hmm. fire engine as it came down the parade route Saturday night. Isn't and that uh, great? Yeah, it's kind of fun to leave the driving to Mr. Owl. Mm-hmm. You know that? And it was great. Surprising number of people out there Wasn't this year. Wonderful? And uh, even with the weather the way it was and uh, little precipitation there a little uh, wet yeah rain too but yes. yeah and cell phones notwithstanding why uh, the rest of us uh, there, the rest we? of us came through it anyway <laughs> it's fun to, fun to see you out there i had a couple of emails from those of you who are out along the parade route and thank you just one of the highlights of our year to go out sure there and, and uh, share that with people and just have a lot of fun so thank you for uh, for joining us let's check in now with our friends from voice of the martyrs what will people think when they Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with news about some more real-life Jesus freaks from the Voice of the Martyrs. From a hospital bed in Bekasi, Indonesia, Reverend Luspinda Simanjuntak maintains that the Christian church has a right to worship openly. During a recent worship service, eight unknown assailants stabbed an elder and beat Reverend Luspinda on the head and back. The congregation suffered a similar attack a month earlier. Supposedly, Indonesian law allows services to be held on church-owned property. But the surge of violence against Christians has many concerned that religious freedom in Indonesia is going away. For more from the Voice of the Martyrs, go online to persecution.com. And we're back with you on Lighthouse Live, and we will have lots more to come. I also want to say a big thanks to all those who came to a great celebration uh, yesterday at Lakewood Memorial Chapel. Yeah, you know, and, and that is uh, one one of the great secrets, I think, yes. of, of this area. It's just a wonderful time, uh, Lakewood Memorial Park here in, in Houston, California, just mm-hmm. uh, next to Modesto. And every year uh, they have a special candlelight ceremony, and uh, those who have... Uh, Lost loved ones or loved ones who have graduated to uh, their eternal reward uh, are invited to uh, to come and light a candle during the service in memory of their their loved ones. It's really just a neat time, and and this year the Downey High School Nightingales wasn't that a night as in K N I G H T and Gales, and uh, what what a wonderful uh, group of young ladies. In fact, what was surprising, and I won't say your name because I don't want to embarrass anyone, but the daughter 
of uh, one of my administrative assistants when I was at uh, Big Valley Grace yes. uh, was there singing. And last mm-hmm. time I saw her, she was about two feet tall. You know, I mean, she diapers, was maybe. well, no, almost, almost out of diapers. Yes. And she walks up, this beautiful, tall young lady walks up and says, hi, I'm, you know, whose daughter. And yes. I'm thinking, I'm getting way too old. You know, this is just not right that she should, you know, daughter's growing up. What's with that? It was just wonderful to yeah, be there and see amazing. her along with lots of other people. I recognized a few people there. And, of course, I have to tell our wonderful uh, listeners, our dear friends, wherever you may be, that uh, our very own Pastor Mike Douglas here at ABC just officiated a wonderful ceremony. So thank you for that, Mike. Yeah, it's, it, was uh, it was a great time. Great, it was. Great thing. Well, let's take a, a look at some opportunities to volunteer with our Volunteer Center of the United Way. And then we have some wonderful guests here tonight to introduce to you. The Airport Neighborhood Winter Workday Build a Soccer Field at Legion Park is coming up this coming Saturday, December 11, and volunteers of all ages are invited to participate. It's a family-friendly volunteer day from 9.30 until 2 to connect families and the community to this beautiful park along the Tuolumne River. We want you to bring your work gloves and shovels and work side-by-side with the residents to lay pipe, that's right, and remove weeds uh, for an adult-sized soccer field for the Airport Youth Soccer League. And uh, the Winter Work Day is a collaborative effort of the airport neighborhood and us here at Advancing Vibrant Communities, the Tuolumne River Trust, uh, Council Member Brad Hahn, Life Win International, the City of Modesto, Gallo Glass, uh, Interfaith Ministries, Orville Wright Elementary, Healthy Start, and Congregations Building Communities. This is going to be just a, a great day for everyone involved, and we encourage you to uh, to come along as it, well. It is, and they've already laid out the field. They've done all the measurements, and in fact, uh, one of our local contractors is going to come in. He's doing going to do the grading uh, in advance, and he'll come through and do the trenching. What they really need uh, are, are people who have some experience in uh, putting pipe together, that sprinkler pipe, yes. and uh, cementing it together and, and, and know what they're doing. Okay, we, we just need people who have some experience in that, so it, it'll, it'll move fairly quickly. There will be food yes. there as well. You know, if you want to get, attention. <laughs> you, you want to get cops and pastors anywhere, you give them food. There you, you know, go. That's, uh, there that's, you uh, go. that's, uh, that's a good form. Firemen too, you know, we kind of like that. So anyway, come on out and, uh, we can really use your help there. Uh, Oren Woods, uh, yes. from ABC will be there and Doug Smith from Modesto Covenant will be, uh, uh, coordinating that part of it. So we really would appreciate your help, especially if you have some experience in, in, in that, um, in that arena of laying sprinkler pipe and, and putting, and they'll, they'll, so, uh, 88 sprinkler heads. Wow. 88 That's sprinkler lot, heads huh? are, are going to be, uh, yeah. installed there. That's so, nice. yeah. Of course, Al could do that in his sleep, right, Mr. Al? With his eyes closed. With his yes. eyes closed. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, you you work in the water business. Yeah, that's right. With his eyes open. <laughs> yeah, a little, little larger than 88 sprinkler heads. But uh, Were you trying to finish or something? Uh, we will. Oh, We're okay. going to turn right. our attention now to senior facilities. By the way, did you tell them where to meet for that? I probably did not. That's because I interrupted you. Yeah, well, if you're, <laughs> if you're familiar with the river... Not, don't jump in the river. That's not where you know. Maybe do, you should tell them where the river's at. And if you have a cell phone, don't get near the river. <laughs> if you have a but cell phone, we won't aside, go there either. We're not going to talk about that. But anyway, aside down by Legion Park, 
his uh, next to the American Legion Hall. You, you come down a little bit uh, east of that, and there's a parking lot there just north of the road. Take, taking notes on this, right? Yeah. North of the river, there is a parking lot. <laughs> Mike knows north this story. of the north of the parking lot. There, there is a, an open field that has what's, stakes what's, what's and. What's the street though? What's the name of the street you get down there? Uh, Legion. Legion is the yeah, street. That's right. Yeah, not legion as in the Bible with legion. You know, that's a whole different legion. But this as in, and, yeah. Santa, well, Santa Cruz bends down. Yeah, yeah and and then it becomes uh, legion there. Okay. Yeah, and uh, so it's below hillside, but north of legion and north of the river. Not totally confused we people. Are but so anyway, fun. be there at nine thirty, and uh, we'll have lots of fun. All right. Laying pipe. Okay. Not smoking the pipe. I just want to be real clear about it. Just laying the pipe down in the ditches. I just want to be real clear about that for those of you in other countries. I haven't totally flipped out. We're we're getting there. (laughs) We're going to let you finish now. Thank you for that. We're moving on to the senior facilities. And some of us should probably probably be be headed for shortly. And if you are inclined to visit these places and we... Sincerely hope that you are, not only during the holiday time of the year, but beyond that. But right now, especially, you can go and spend time with seniors, gain a new friend for life. Because I tell you what, you are going to be blessed beyond your wildest uh, dreams, uh, dear friends. Right now, you can um, help them to uh, just celebrate these special times around Christmas time, putting up holiday decorations, opening presents, serving refreshments, just talking, laughing with them, just gaining a whole different perspective, just gaining new friends, accompanying them on walks and outings and uh, doing arts and crafts and all sorts of things. And if you have a lack of where these places are, please give us a call. We'd be glad to to help you out with that, and Pastor Mike can give you directions there. It's just a wonderful thing. But anyway, we will uh, gladly connect you with these opportunities. The Seroptimus Community Christmas Tree. This tree is bursting, they say, with gift request tags for about 3,400 needy children from ages birth to 17 years. And uh, it's available for gift giving at the 25th annual event at the Vintage Fair Mall. That's here in Modesto. And the public is invited to select a tag from the tree. You can check it out uh, at the adjacent kiosk, Shop for the Child, from the tag wish list. And they usually want warm clothing, things like that, maybe a toy, shoes, and and things like that. Uh, Return the gifts with the tag to the kiosk. And volunteers, this is where we come in, ages 16 years and older, are needed to assist the shop with a selection, tracking the paperwork, receiving the tags, and organizing the gifts by the agency as they are returned. And additional volunteers then are needed to wrap the gifts uh, on Monday, December 6th, that's uh, uh, today, through through December 19th, and then December 19th from 8 a.m. until 12 midnight. So this is going on for a while. Flexible shifts are available for you and for all these opportunities. Monetary donations are also very much appreciated uh, to purchase gifts for the children whose tags were not selected. So this is a wonderful opportunity. And you may have an angel tree uh, near you that you may also select uh, a name from. Lots of children in our area who are in need at this time. So there are so many opportunities for us to be able to give. You know, that angel tree program is just absolutely incredible. And and when you take... Take those gifts to those homes, and, and, and typically these are, are children whose one or more parents are incarcerated. Absolutely. And it, 
they wouldn't really have Christmas otherwise, right. and it is just a tremendous blessing to go and, and experience. If you haven't done it, we encourage you to be involved in that. So whether it's a, with the Seroptimist or the Angel Tree or whatever group, a civic group or a church group, we just encourage you to, to get involved. If you have any questions on any of these items, give Barbara Borba a call. She's at 209-524-1307, extension 113, again, 209-524-1307, extension 113, or email her at bborba at uastand.org, or you can give us a call here. And also want to remind you that the uh, Modesto's first annual Spirit of Giving 5K Run and Walk is coming up this Saturday, and that benefits the Modesto Gospel Mission, and we encourage you to do that as well. Many ways to give. We had a man staying uh, at the uh, one of our shelters here was hit by a car last week, we're told, and he's being ministered to by a great ministry on the west side area here in Modesto known as the Vine House, and what he needs is a wheelchair and uh, until he heals from all of the injuries from that. So if you have one to donate, let us know. Uh, also blankets, gently used to keep those warm during these cold times and uh, you know, if you have space heaters to donate, we'll take those as well. Give us a call here at 209-544-9571, and we'll, uh, we'll make those connections for you. 209-544-9571 is our number here at Advancing Vibrant Communities, and we'll get those to the homes where they uh, are needed. You know, one of the things that we just truly enjoy and value here, uh, the ministry at ABC, is the networking and partnership that takes place with others. And we uh, continually add to that number to those that we link arms and, and hearts with as we're out in the community. And, and joining us tonight is, is one such group. And it's just a pleasure uh, to welcome uh, tonight to our uh, broadcast Mike Clemen. And Mike is uh, with the Marriage and Family Therapist a certified sex addiction therapist. He's with Parents United and Private Practice. And Mike, that is a mouthful. <laughs> but we want to welcome you. Surprised you fit it all on the business card. Yeah, That's an amazing that, but thing. But he's got some business cards here. <laughs> wonderful. And we just want to welcome you with all of your experience you. and, and your uh, God calling that you bring to the table. And we also have some special guests, Valerie and, and James joins us as well tonight. And we'll be introducing uh, them as also. Uh, but uh, this isn't, uh, as, as we were saying earlier in, in prayer before the broadcast, not always an easy topic uh, to bring to the table, but a necessary one. So why don't you share with us the things that you have discovered, Mike? Well, I started out uh, with Parents United in Sacramento. And there I began as, you want to say, an intern. I was an intern. I wasn't a full-fledged therapist then but began working with Parents United in Sacramento with a Christian gentleman who was leading um, the groups of um, sex offenders. And they would come on a weekly basis. And as I started with these men, um, my heart wasn't, these guys are monsters. Hmm. You know, I, mm -hmm. it, it wasn't like, didn't have that, ooh, I mean, you, know, I, you don't like what they do. But the idea that what went on with them that got them to the point that they chose to molest, you know, because it's, it's not about sex, you know, it's about power and control and somewhere in their lives, they lost that. Mm -hmm. And all of us want control. We want some control in our lives and they happen to choose someone, a child, you know, a minor in a sexual manner to gain that sense of control back in their lives. 
You know, and, and Mike, this is something that I, I think in, in churchdom, you know, we often sweep under the carpet, we don't address. And, I, you know, when I, when I was a staff pastor many years ago, I, I got to the point where I asked premarital couples, and that was my gig, was, you know, the mm-hmm. marriage ministries from premarital to extramarital, unfortunately, you know, in, in dealing with all of that. But I would say a good 80% of the premarital couples that came through one or the other had been molested. Mm-hmm. And some type of sexual abuse, 80% of the, right. of the couples that came through. And so we're dealing with something that's pervasive, and yet yes, something we, we don't we don't often address. I, I assume that you found those stats somewhat uh, familiar in, yeah. in your practice as well. Yeah, when you consider, um, what is it, Valerie, how many uh, girls? One in three girls and one in four boys. Yeah. You know. well, by the time they're 18, yeah. they've been right. sexually you know. abused. <laughs> And, and Mike, how, how can we better uh, in the Christian community, number one, address this? Because I remember when I was a rookie pastor, mm-hmm. we just didn't know where the resources were. You know, right. where do we get help? Because, you know, the, the, the great theologian Dirty Harry once said, a man's got to know his limitations. <laughs> and, yes. You know, and I learned pretty quick, you know, I, I know when I'm out of my league and when right. you need to call in help. And, and I think today we're, we're a little better prepared, at least in this community, to address these things. But let's talk a little bit about how the Christian community can, can do a little better job in being okay about discussing these issues and connecting people with the resources that uh, that they need to deal with the problems. Well, the resources that we have are with Parents United. And for anybody, for any child that has been molested or any adult that's been molested as a child, we call those AMACs, um, services are free. Mm. Uh, we have meetings uh, once a week, um, you know, for those groups, uh, children, anywhere from five you know, on up to 18, and if they continue to need help, there are adult services that we have um, for that. Um, you know, as far as, you know, when you, when you think of, you know, the sex, the molest, the sex, you know, it is, that's that taboo subject. You know, embarrassing. Just, yeah, it's embarrassing, it's nice you know, yeah. and the first thought out of their, you know, in their minds is, you know, let's hang the offender up on the back wall and let's shoot him. Sure. You know, mm-hmm. and to understand, you know, that this, you know, these people that have molested have their own problems and that, you know, it, it, it's, it's not a disease that um, is unhelpable. It's not a disease, you know, men and women do recover from this. I've seen many of them in our program over the five and a half years that I've been with Parents United to see them come in thinking, I don't need to be here, to, my gosh, I've got a problem, mm. to, here's why I've got a problem, and then carrying on from there. We, we say, the, the, your offense brings you in, and then we take care of the rest of the part of your life, you know, as far as identifying your feelings, uh, expressing them appropriately, relationships, you know, how are you getting along in relationships? So it's just not them coming in and going, okay, don't do this anymore, and here's a nice little, you know, 16-week program, and you're okay. No, you know, we are taking in everything about that person, you know, and trying to, um, you know, help them to recover for for themselves to be a better person, you know, uh, husband, wife, father, mother, you know, 
that's what we're, that's what they're there for, you know, and that's where my heart is. And let's talk about the, that kind of bringing things into the open. Uh, I, I, what I, what I sense is we've got two, two problems here. One is the, the victim, the person who has been molested, mm-hmm. bringing it up. Right. You know, and, and possibly maybe as a late teenager, early adult, or maybe in their 30s, 40s, 50s, who knows. Mm-hmm. But then also you have the offender. And uh, the issue there, do, you know, man, I, I don't know that I want to face being on a list and, you know, ha- having maybe problems getting employed, and then the church doesn't want me around. And the neighborhood doesn't want me. The neighborhood around. doesn't All want me. Things, yes. Boy, how do, how do we work through on both of those sides? How do you help people just bring it up and start addressing the issues? Well, it's interesting when I just tell them um, what I do. And, you know, and I... And then when I, I tell them just what I've told you, there's an understanding. There really needs to be an education, you know, to the public, to the churches, just of what I have explained to you. Mm. That, uh, you know, these are human beings that have broken lives and they can be mended. You know, yeah, it's an awful subject. It's an awful subject, but take a look at biblical times. This is not new. No, right. We go back to Bible times. It was done there. I'm wondering, Mike, as, as you talk, how long have these resources been in place? I know years ago they weren't in place. Well, Parents United has been around for about 30 years now. Okay. Um, and, you know, they started out with um, what, just with some, um, some victims, if yeah. I'm not started with children and then and then they started getting parents going you know oh my gosh i'm now that my child is dealing with this i'm getting memories of being molested and then they had a need and of course once dr johnson realized this need was huge she also realized we needed the entire family because mm. 95% of children are molested by someone they know. Exactly. When a child can't turn to the family, exactly. where can they turn to first? What do you say to that? Yeah. Uh, where can well, they go? They have to find somebody they keep telling. A safe person? A, a safe person, a teacher, a minister, okay. uh, somebody in their uh, youth group, um, some a friend, okay. somebody's family member, anybody yeah. that will listen to yeah. them. And then take it off their hands and go with it. Yeah, a number of times these children will tell a friend who will tell the teacher mm-hmm. who will then, who is a mandated reporter, you know, have to call CPS. Right. And that's how they get involved, you know. And, you know, and like Valerie was saying, it, it went into the families. And then, you know, we got the, uh, the offenders into the program. And so, you know, we even then, we even have support groups for people who are uh, spouses, friends, mm-hmm. you know. Um, for really those, is a holistic approach to this. Right? Yes, it in is. In the best yeah. sense of the word. Yeah. Yeah. That, exactly. That's it. We're yeah. trying to get the whole family. And even our right. program is, is geared, uh, you know, the offenders and, and the AMACs do need to have their separate, separate ways, but they do come together uh, on about a, by uh, every two months, we call shared perceptions, and they get a chance to see the work that the AMACs are doing. The offenders get to see the effects of what mm. their the uh, concept, you know, the you know their offense mm-hmm. uh, has on their victims. You know, and and the uh, the AMACs can see that um, boy, there is some hope for these guys, and and they are nice people because their friendships 
occur, mm. you know, from the AMAX and, and, and the offenders that are within the program. What, what about the, uh, do, do you know the history of the name Parents United? I mean, it, it, it's, a, it's a powerful uh, word picture. Does anybody parents. know where the, the name came from by any chance? I don't. No? <laughs> no? Yes. I believe it started over in... Um, it was in started San, in San Jose. San Jose. San Jose. Yeah, and I, I think it was just, you know, parents uniting to get together for the safety of their children. Hmm. You know, and I think that's how it, how it came about. Well, Valerie, you you have uh, a perspective here, obviously, and, and uh, some great benefit from Parents United. Tell us a little bit of what it, what it means to you and, and your life. Oh, my gosh. Um, what it really means to me is I wouldn't be here without the program. Uh, I was one of the older victims that decided to speak up, not until I was 40. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're, you carry a lot of shame and, and hurt. And finally, it just interfered in my life to the point where I contemplated suicide quite mm-hmm. often. Mm-hmm. So uh, with the advice of a very wise woman and therapist, she said, you know, you need to check out this program and see what they can do for you. And um, it was life-changing, absolutely life-changing. I look around today and I see my daughter at 28 years old and go, I could have missed out on all of this. Mm-hmm. You know, and of course my husband is is fantastic and uh, we're retiring soon and it's like, mm-hmm. I would have missed out on this. Mm-hmm. And the program has just... It taken me from somebody who was extremely angry and didn't realize where the anger was coming from and basically misdirecting it on the, all the wrong people and showed me how to uh, clear that up and focus and put it where it belonged. So it didn't rule. The anger and the pain didn't rule my life anymore, and I could live it instead of just being there hanging on with all, you know, ten fingers on the side. So... I couldn't tell you how much this program means to me. I just couldn't. There's, there are not enough words <laughs> to say how grateful I am that uh, Parents United, Parents United, sorry, exists. So you've worked through forgiving, and it's kind of an ongoing. Yeah, it's thing a continual. Yes. I started the program in 1989, okay. and then I've been uh, speaking on Speakers Bureau for 17 years. And we go out in the community, uh, schools, colleges, uh, community centers, any place basically that will invite us. And we go and talk and tell our personal stories and and the growth that we've made through this program to help others know that it's okay to speak. And that's the biggest thing. You have to be able to learn that you weren't at fault and you need to talk about it. You know that's a that's a key point there, Absolutely. Valerie and Micah. I was going to ask you about that. I'm sure that there are feelings, uh, just like a, you know, children when when parents divorce, they often take on. You know, must have been something I did, or I said, right. or I am. Yes. I would imagine in this uh, area of sexual abuse that there often is uh, a misguided perception: I am somehow responsible yes. for right. this. Right. The offender is totally responsible you know, for the act of the molest. There's nothing the child did, said, or could do because the offender is the adult. They're the ones in charge. They're the ones that manipulated this child, you know, into feeling comfortable. Um, and, and that's part of, you know, why um, it's family members. You know, they're trusted people in their lives. And who's going to hurt me? 
my yeah. uncle, my stepdad, my dad, my mom, my aunt. They're not going to hurt me. Valerie, was that freeing? Absolutely. Absolutely. It was an, it was an amazing... Uh, it took me about four weeks into the program until one night one of the offenders spoke up and said, it was, you know, um, I don't know what the big deal is about. You know, this was just my sister and whatever. We were kids. Mm. And that was the first time in 30 years that I actually realized why I was angry. And it was just this huge release, just huge of, wow, I, I now I get it. I, I, could, I could start making the connection between where all this anger was coming from. And, and it was legit. Yes. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't something I'd made up or it wasn't bigger than I thought it was. It was huge and it was okay to know that, you know, and not try to make it smaller or just a little with something, or we were just kids. Cause I've, I really fed into that belief because it was easier to live with that. The deception the is very strong, isn't it? Oh, it, yeah. Yes. Yeah. What, very. what an incredible truth, Valerie. And, and there's no doubt some tears being shed as people oh. literally around the globe are, are listening to those who may be sitting on the fence and, and thinking they can't tell anyone right now. What would you encourage them to say? Tell. Tell. Find someone that you trust, someone that you're very close to, that you know you can go to and they will hear what you have to say and let them know what's going on in your life. That's the first step you've got to tell. And it wasn't your fault ever. Elaine, we're going to be heading into a wonderful transition and a bridge here in just a second, but I, I think there are probably people uh, around the world that listen to this that are going, don't leave me hanging. How, how can we get help? So before we head into the break, can we give people a phone number or some way yes, to get yes, more information? Yes. And and then in the second half of the program here, we're also going to be talking uh, to James, who's going to be bringing yes. uh, another perspective here that's very, very important. And uh, we're, we're going to get to you in just a second. But how can people get more information about Parents United and, and start on that, that road to hope? Well, our number at Parents United is area code 209-524-4858. And uh, any information that you need about needing help for a child, for yourself, um, you know, maybe you've got uh, a spouse or somebody that's uh, incarcerated at the moment for an offender. What do I do about that? You know, and uh, so we've got answers. Great. Again, that phone number, friends, uh, that's local here in the uh, Central Valley, area code 209-524-4858. That's 524-4858. And we know that there are miracle acts of healing in the lives of many, as we are witnessing tonight here on Lighthouse Live. And Jeremy Camp sings of the healing hand of God, and we'll return with lots more. Stay with us. I fear and with pain I haven't watched the tears fall plenty From heartache and strain So if life's journey Has you weary and afraid There's rest in the shadow of his wings I've walked through the valleys The mountains and I have healed the hand of freedom, the washes 
Jeremy Camp and the Healing Hand of God here on Lighthouse Live with Pastor Mike, Elaine, and Mike Clemen, and Valerie and James. And uh, what a great group of folks around the table tonight and a subject that 
we don't often talk about, but it's one that's uh, very needed, and we're glad to have you with us. And, and dear friends, we're glad to have you with us wherever you may be tuned in here to Lighthouse Life this evening. You know, as uh, I, I would imagine a lot of my pastoral brothers and sisters uh, who may be listening may be breathing a sigh of relief, saying, wow, yeah, there is a resource out mm-hmm. there. You know, they're, they're, uh, like I said, I, I, you know, we need to know when when um, we're in deeper water than than we can uh, tread. And uh, so I think this uh, wonderful uh, resource, Parents United, uh, something we need to uh, keep on file. Again, the phone number here in the Central Valley, anyway, 209-524-4858, want to talk to James here in just a second, but uh, I, I don't want to leave one thing hanging, and that is the, the issue of bringing uh, an act of molestation to light can be embarrassing for a variety of different reasons. Uh, children may not tell. I think uh, uh, you, had, you had mentioned during the break an average of seven years seven oftentimes years. before anything yeah, is said. for a child, an average of seven years before they say anything. And what, what about this issue of being believed? I, I, I mean, I, I would imagine many times the reaction is, I don't believe your father did that, or it couldn't possibly be your your uncle or or your mom mm-hmm. or a good friend or, or a good friend yes. or right. well certainly you know pastor what's his name wouldn't be uh, guilty or or the Sunday school whatever right. it might be let's talk about the the effects of not being <clears throat> believed and what to do when a child comes up and says something happened first of all you believe the child mm-hmm. you believe them yes. um, children are not going to make this stuff up. I mean, you know, we've had offenders say, oh, you know, my spouse made them say this and that and the other. Can that happen? Sure. But, you know, the majority of the time when a child comes to you and says they've been touched or, my, um, you know, abused in some manner or felt uncomfortable, believe them. It's, mm-hmm. it's the truth. Now, if, if they're not coming out, the child is not coming out and saying things, but we notice maybe... Uh, some different behaviors. What, what types of behaviors are we going to see maybe that that may clue us to something's going on, or, or, or is it transparent? Uh, no, it's not transparent. And a lot of times a parent will, you know, once they get their child into therapy and, and they see and hear some of the uh, behaviors, they're going, oh, my gosh, I saw that. But it didn't, there was no connection, hmm. you know, uh, increased anger, you know, there could be drop in grades. Uh, there can be some bedwetting. There can be some regressive mm. uh, behaviors, um, you know, relational problems, um, you know, a, a number of those things that, that they just might think, oh, the kid's uh, going through a stage, mm. you know. Uh, uh, you know, but if when a child has all that anger and confusion, you know, it, they don't know how to express it verbally. You know, so it's going to come out. They can get in fights at school, you know, and, and things like that. I want to talk now to, to James, who's who's joining us, because you, you bring a very important uh, perspective uh, in here, James, that, that we need to hear. And, and James, we want to thank you for joining us tonight. We're going to ask you to move into your microphone like Valerie did. T- tell us uh, a little bit about your story, James, and uh, the value of Parents United to you. Um, okay, I'm on the other side of the coin. Yeah. I'm an offender. I molested a 10-year-old girl, and she told, which I'm glad. Mm. Um, I went 
Spent uh, eight months in jail, got out, mandatory, Parents United, three years. And three years, I'm, I've been here six years. Hmm. I'm still learning. I'm on the Speakers Bureau with Valerie. We go to colleges, and I let them know my story, you know. But if a child out there tells you something, take their word for it, hmm. you know. So, you know. I think you, you gave us an underline there a, a, a moment ago, and that was that to you as an offender, you are now happy that that child spoke up. Oh, yes. Yeah. What, uh, what did you go through as, uh, the whole thing was, was discovered? And again, you know, obviously names are not going to be used or anything here, but, um, what, what went through you, uh, during the process of this being brought to light and then having to spend some time in, in, in prison? What did Parents United initially do for you to help the healing process and, and, and to help you get on the road to recovery? Well, the whole time I was in jail, I was in denial. And the first six months after I got out and was at Parents United, I was in denial until someone just knocked on my head and said, get it. You know, you're not going to get nowhere, you know. Um, so I did. I've been working on it and everything like that. I didn't, I was one of the fortunate few. I didn't lose my daughters to, you know, my charge. I, I was able to keep my daughters, hmm. you, you know, my daughter, uh, the 17 year, well, the 15 was the first one that moved in back in with me hmm. and then my 17 year old. And now I see my 10 year old when just about every weekend, whenever she wants to come over, That's you huge. know, so yeah. I was, you know, I was one of the lucky few. There's a lot out there that don't get to see their family. Right. You know, my daughters don't do not, con well, the two oldest ones don't condone what I did. You know, yeah, they're mad at me, but they see what kind of help I'm getting, hmm. you know, uh, they see what I'm doing and it, that. So, I you know, I'm all I can do is keep working and I'll probably be at Parents United for 20 years, you know. Well, and I think that's an important thing to realize that both for people who have been victims, those who are offenders and and those who are in the support system we talked about uh, earlier on. This is not a light switch, a lane that goes right. on and off, Recovery right? Recovery is an ongoing thing, and, and so it's good that it's an ongoing basis for you. James, what about the rest of the community? What about your neighborhood? How do they see you? How do they respond <laughs> to you? And how do you feel about that? Um, when I first, well, I, <clears throat> I didn't have to, some of the laws did not apply to me. I lived next to a two parks. I live within uh, 500 feet of a school, but I did not fall under uh, Megan's law, so I could have still kept my house, but I sold it and moved to a place where I was 2,000 feet, and it's very hard to find a place like that here in Modesto or any town. That's why you have so many you know, people that are offenders that are out on the street. Because they can't find places to live. I was lucky I found one. But I'm sandwiched 2,000 feet by three different schools. But uh, my at first, my community, my block, there was a couple that didn't want me there. 
But uh, most of them I didn't lie. Told them, you know, everything. I'm working on it. I'm getting better. I had my daughters with me. I'm not all that bad. I did make a mistake. I paid for it. I'll pay for it the rest of my life. But as long as I'm working on it, you know, I'm not a bad person. You know, I made a mistake. What was one of the major things that you learned about yourself early on in, in the process with Parents United that was helpful and, and might be of hope to other guys like you who may be listening to this mm. broadcast? Well, for one thing, I've uh, quit drugs, been mm. six years clean. Amen. Two years ago, I quit smoking because mm-hmm. my daughters wanted me around for grandkids, <laughs> so they were worried about. The main thing is my health, my frame of mind. You know, um, by working at Parents United, I do a lot of different things, and I'm constantly, you know, I'm different for a while. I live there, but <laughs> I uh, try to just keep busy. You know, you don't uh, can't sit around dwelling on the past. You got to go forward, and that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to go forward. Mm. Well, really, that's uh, what Jesus' sacrifice was all about. To give us hope. James, we asked Valerie the question about encouraging those who might be sitting on the sidelines listening because we do have listeners um, basically everywhere tonight and and hopefully um, it would be an encouragement to those who might be wondering or if if there are those who have those issues in their lives, um, how would you encourage them to respond if they have uh, inclinations or if they are um, not wanting to speak up and, and take a step forward to make changes in their lives. What would you say to them this evening? They need to seek help. They need to tell somebody. Even the teenage girls and boys out there, they need to, you know, get help. They need to let somebody know. And the parents, that's the main thing. The parents have got to believe the kids. Mm. The kids ain't going to tell you a lie. You know, they, these things, you know, kids, uh, are smart, and they're going to, you know, they're scared. But they're not, you know, parents, the main thing has got to be the one that's got to listen to them. And once they tell them, they cannot say, oh, it did not happen. This did not happen. It couldn't happen. They need to go and see somebody and have it taken care of. You know, I think that that believability is uh, I'm hearing that from everybody. That is uh, that is so important. And uh, you know, as as someone Valerie who was who was victimized, uh, let's talk a little bit about the importance of being believed and not having to become the victim again. It's the most important for me. Um, going to my family and at almost forty years old and telling them that my brother had molested me mm-hmm. for three to four years, um, it was crushing. It was almost as bad as being molested all over again when my family decided they didn't want to listen. It was too difficult for them to handle. Um, they tried for, oh, two or three months, and then they had enough. And it was kind of, you've got to go do this on your own somewhere without us. We don't want this with us. They didn't want to deal with they it? They didn't or? want to deal mm. with it. So they didn't, the only way they could not deal with it is have me not around so it was basically, you know, you go live your life and uh, we'll live ours. And it was it was crushing, absolutely crushing. Uh, for people who have to hear that news, 
it, it must be devastating for you to have to hear that news from somebody you love, but to believe them and to look at them and say, I do believe what you're telling me is the most important part. If they don't do, even if they don't do anything else for you, just that you know they believe you is the very mm-hmm. most important mm-hmm. part. What about the aspect of accountability, Mike, and the <clears throat> programs that are put together for the offenders and the uh, people who attend Parents United and the groups? That is foremost. Okay. To uh, they take accountability. Okay. You know, they have to uh, understand that. Yeah, I have done something wrong here, okay. and um, you know, and say you know, none of the well. You know, she led me on, uh, you know, oh, she was only, you know, they can minimize, they can rationalize, make all the, <clears throat> excuse me, make all the excuses in the world. I was drunk. I was um, on drugs. No, you made the, ch- it's a choice. Call that owning your stuff. Yeah, it's owning your stuff. You, you made the choice and they have to come to grips with that and the consequences of it. In the groups, uh, I would imagine, I don't know if it's uh, kind of formulated like some of the other uh, recovery groups like the Celebrate Recoveries or the AAs or NAs, do they share uh, a commonality? Do they share experiences and strengths and hopes and all of those kinds of things? It's absolutely amazing um, because you you have this need to be believed Mm -hmm. when you get into the group situation where other AMACs, which are adults molested as children, uh, start telling their stories, it's, you almost have this feeling like, I know you're not my family, but were you in the same house with me? Mm-hmm. Because the stories and the pain and the the common mm-hmm. hurt, maybe shame that's going on for you is going on for like 30 people in the room. And it, it's, in, it's incredible to feel that and to know that, you know, there are these people that are saying, I believe and they really do know what you're going through. So to have that connection with them, it's bittersweet because you know there's another victim, but you also know there's somebody who knows what I'm going through. It's not that misery loves company, but... <laughs> but it does, in a way. <laughs> no, but also for, for the offender uh, to come into a program where they're, you know, they're ashamed. Uh, you know, their, their self-esteem is in the tank. Mm-hmm. so to speak, mm-hmm. and to come out and to say, this is what I did. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes a lot of strength, a lot of courage, and then to have the staff as we are to say, you're not, you know, you're not defined by what you did. Right. You know, that's not who you are because that's what they, you know, the world thinks if you've molested, you are a child molester and that's all you do. And that's not the truth. Mm-hmm. It is just a bad choice they made in a time of their lives. And now we're there to figure out, okay, how can you better cope with the stress now than at the time that you molested and you felt that that was the way you know, to get control and, de- and de-stress? And to see these guys come into group and have them challenged you know, by the therapist and other guys in the group um, because they're all there for one thing. We want to get better. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to challenge you because I want you to get better, not because I'm trying to dig you. You know, I, and and just like with the Amex, the offenders come together, and this is almost like their new family again. 
Here are people that understand me, that care about me, you know, that want to see me succeed. And, uh, you know, it's like, boy, they, they will just congregate around one another because their families don't uh, provide that for them. Right. I wish the world could see Valerie and James exchanging <laughs> smiles. But, Valerie, probably what our friends want to know is how do you relate to your brother now? Tell us what's going on with that relationship. Uh, unfortunately, we have none. Okay. Um, my brother is uh, the kind of person that, as far as he's concerned, he's never done anything wrong. Uh, we were just kids, and I'm sorry that you took it wrong all those years. That's where he lives. And for me to have friends in the community like James that says, no, this is what I did. I'm responsible. It was not the child. It wasn't because we were kids. It wasn't, you know, they are taking responsibility for their actions, and it's absolutely amazing to see that. But unfortunately for my brother and I, we have no relationship. Um, he has not made any sort of attempt to um, even apologize, really, for what he did to me. So. And, James, that has to be a bad place to be. Isn't it not not addressing uh, the issues, not owning your stuff, uh, just staying stuck there is is not a good place to be, right? Yes, but you know I have friends, you know, very good friends, and they're Amex, you know, and they see the progress I've made and everything. I do have a letter, and one day I hope my victim will be able to come and look me up, mm. and I have a letter. For her, so I can read her. But I can't go looking her up. Right. She has to come to me to get the closure. I can't go out there and get closure for myself. It, then it, I'm taking everything about me again, and it's about her, my victim, getting closure. Now, unlike your brother, uh, Valerie, who has not addressed the issue, hasn't uh, owned uh, his stuff, so to speak, and, and James, uh, James, you have. Um what can you say to the families uh, who have who are hovering around this? They're they're not the actual victim, although they're in the the process. Uh, they are not the perpetrator, although they're on the periphery in in the process. What do you say to those families uh, to provide them with some hope and 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 some comfort from from your perspective? What, what can you tell them that that might give them a, a shred, a, a glimmer of hope? Man, that's a tough one. <laughs> uh, as a offender, you have to live up to you know your offense. You can't say I didn't do this. You can't be in denial. You uh, live up to it. And once you live up to it, and you talk about it with other offenders, with Amax, you know, write your story. You, you may have to write the story three, four, five times you know until you get it right you know it's not about i and everything um they just have to work you know you know that's an interesting you're talking about writing your story and, and getting it right what what makes that story right what is it that finally clicks in as you're going through the process and you're writing the story again and again what is it that finally clicks in that that helps you say wow yeah you know what this is it in class, you have to, before you can even move up, you have different levels. And in these classes, 
you read your first sketch, your second sketch, you read it to other offenders and to the clinician. And they can they critique you on it. Okay, it I don't think you should have this or maybe you should word it this way, you know. Um and then it, you know, it just starts, you know, going. I wrote mine three times before it was acceptable. I know people that have gone five times before. And what were those changes that you made that, that made it more acceptable for you? My wording. It, I this and I that. It can't be. It's, you know, so that, you know. Um, Can I say something? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. James and I actually were in the same group together. Uh, I co-facilitated an offender group for eight years. And... Um, we were in group together, and when I noticed the big differences in him is when he took responsibility. Yeah. You know, yeah. when that point, when it was finally, he quit denying. He quit saying, no, you know, this didn't happen, or no, you know, she misunderstood what was going on, and we convinced him she didn't misunderstand anything. And it was that moment where he realized, no, I was responsible for my actions, and um, the rest just starts to come along with that. And, and underscoring again, this is a process, not something that Very black and long, white suddenly yeah. kicks in. It is a process for everyone involved. Mike, uh, Clement, we've got about 60 seconds yes. left in the broadcast. What can you do to, to tie this up and, and give people hope who've, who've been listening to this? Um, AMAX, um, there are people out there, you know, whether a therapist or Parents United, that do care about you and will believe in you. Mm. Amex uh, being the uh, adults uh, molested as children, right? Adult victims. Mm -hmm. Also, you know, if they're, um, you know, the offenders, if if you have molested, you've got to stand up. You've got to take responsibility. uh, And, you know, if it's turning yourself in, yeah, it's difficult. It's hard. You know, it's, it's got its consequences. But you've got to do it for yourself. You know, for your family, um, because like like James says, he's he's writing a letter. You know, there are steps in in our program that you know um, that it'll, that, that it'll get through. you there. It'll get you yeah. there. You know, we'll, we'll get we'll get you through everything. Friends, a reminder that phone number locally here two zero nine five two four four eight five eight. Mike Clemen, Valerie James, thank you, and dear friends at home, thank you, and may we all remember the healing hand, like Jeremy Camp said, the healing hand of God. May God. Bless you all.